Uh, I want to really dovetail into what um, Liz spoke this morning. She kind of already preached the sermon, really, hadn't she? <laughs> uh, yeah, she's um, hit the nail on the head. Um, the Word of God can be just an intellectual book. The Bible can be just an intellectual book that you read and you think, wow, that's awesome. And you walk away from it without it ever affecting you. And somebody said something about this. Do you remember in the Scriptures? Do you remember uh, one of the writers said something about it? Does anyone recall that? The letter kills, the spirit gives life. No, that's not what I'm thinking of. Sorry? Ah, thank you, Lord. Jesus spoke about building our foundation on the rock. And the difference was that a man hears the word of God and goes away and does nothing about it. The other man who builds his house on a rock is the man who goes, who reads the word and then does it. And Jesus said to his disciples when he left the earth, he said, teach the new disciples to observe all that I've told you. And that word observe is a doing word. It means to do. And then James tells us that if we can deceive ourselves, if we just read the word and walk away and don't do the word, it's like looking in a mirror and then walking away and forgetting what you look like. The way the word comes to life is by doing it. Amen? The way the word, yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's true. But you know what? The only difference between the unbeliever and the believer is the believer did what it said. The believer put their trust in Jesus Christ and was saved. The unbeliever didn't or hasn't yet. Um, I love to play around with Bible numbers. Um, I know they're not conclusive or I know they're not uh, something you stand on and build your life on. But it's just some of them are real fun to play around with. And um, I was talking to somebody th at the beginning of the week and they talked about the verse in... Uh, Genesis chapter 2, where God said to Adam in verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. The day that you eat of it you shall surely die. 
Anyway, they ate it and they didn't die. They didn't die, they died that we thought, that we think of. Now, it says somewhere that to the Lord a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day to the Lord. The men that lived straight after the fall, if you reckon God's day, died within that day. Some of them lived till 969 years. Adam was the second oldest, I think. He lived to 930-something. But they all died within that day. And when you look at the time between Jesus and now, from the time the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples, it's been the last days, plural. You get where I'm going here? The last days. It's been 2,000 years nearly since that happened. And even if that's still a thousand years away, what I want you to get from this is that the Lord's coming is near. And even if it's not for us, it is for us. Because we all have our personal reckoning. We all have our personal time when we will stand before our God. Even if we're not raptured when he comes we will still stand before him. And I love the way that Liz said that she feels the heat, the spiritual heat turning up. It's because it's the last days. Letting those people live 969 years was the grace of God. He could have wiped out the whole of humanity that very minute. And it turns out that leaving it 2,000 years since Christ is God's grace as well. Because in Peter, one of the books of Peter, he's, he's saying that people are complaining that Christ hasn't come back yet. The people are getting old and dying that first believed. It's been a long time. Where's Christ's return? And Peter says, it's the grace of God. He doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. To him it was the last days, and we're still in the last days. And um, with the spiritual heat rising, I think it's incumbent upon us to raise our own spiritual heat in response to it. I mean, I'm not talking anything about self-righteousness or doing something that's going to make God give you a big tick or, or anything like that. I'm talking about the, what the Word of God says about how we should be living as people of God. 
as we see this time approaching, the word says. How should, what sort of people should we be as we see the time approaching? And there are a number of places in the word. This word is just, it's awesome. If you look at this word of God with the idea, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do whatever it tells me to do. You will raise your own spiritual temperature without even knowing it. And you're not doing it to save yourself. You're doing it because you want to be God's man or woman in this time. Because the world is looking for God's man or woman at this time. The world needs God's man and woman at this time. It's crucial. If you haven't been living under a rock, you know what's going on in the world. It's just falling apart. And the most ridiculous concepts are coming forth from so-called intellectual people. I mean, some of the things I can't even repeat, they're just ridiculous. And I just want to go, how is this possibly happening? And the third world countries are looking on and going, what are you doing? Dude, you know. And um, so this word is God speaking to us if we let it. If we do it, it's God speaking to us. And I want to go through just a couple of, of areas um, where we can improve on our own walk if we're not doing it already. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, it talks to us about how uh, we're not fighting our battle against the people who say those silly things. We're not fighting a battle against human beings, but our battle is against unseen people, unseen persons in the atmosphere around us that are speaking lies and moulding and shaping the way the world moves ahead by putting ideas into people's minds. Slowly but surely, with great patience, they have been, uh, what's the word? They've been causing people to think thoughts that have then been passed down and down and down to others. And we have today the most ridiculous ideas that right is wrong, truth is false, good is evil, up is down. It's ridiculous what's going on in the world today. And so the evil one has great patience and the ability to move upon men and, and make them think things that they shouldn't be thinking and do things they shouldn't be doing. And our battle is not against those men, but against those spiritual forces in the atmosphere. And one of the things that is prevalent in society today is Christians are bad news. Christians are bad news. Christians are bigots. 
Christians are full of hate speech. Christians just want to convert homosexuals. Christians want to do away with our, our freedoms. And the world's believing it more and more and more. It's like a, it's like a rolling snowball down a hill. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, I'm afraid that we are soon to face those things that the Lord and his disciples prophesied 2,000 years ago would happen in the last of the last of the last days. We would be hated, absolutely hated for what we believe. But it's happening already. People over in third world countries, people in Africa are dying. In China are dying for their faith. They're standing up for Jesus and they're dying by the thousands. It's already happening to real people. How do we think that we're going to be insulated from all this? We need to be standing up for Jesus now so that when the time comes when we're really put to test, uh, we won't fail. And you know, as we sit here today, how fortunate we are, how blessed we are that we can meet like this. Let's never take it for granted. Let's hold on to it like it's, like it's precious. That we can meet like this and we don't have people coming in the doors and, and throwing us in jails like they have in other countries or blowing us up. It's getting hotter. Like Liz said, it's getting hotter. The spiritual atmosphere is getting hotter. But we need to get hotter with it. We need to be hot people. We need to be hot people. Amen. I'll never forget, if you look it up, you can, you can look at a testimony from the revival in Brownsville. And this young girl gets up and she's shaking like this under the power of God. It's unbelievable. And through the whole testimony, she's shaking like this. And she says, I was so lukewarm. God doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He said, she said, but now I'm hot. I know whether you've seen it, but it's, it's great to watch. Her name was? Ellison, I think, yeah. Anyway. Um, in Ephesians chapter 6, we had the remedy for spiritual oppression. We have a remedy for overcoming spiritual forces in our lives. And that is to put on the armour of God. The belt of truth Belts are things that hold your pants on. But in those days, they held all the stuff together, the armour. The strength of the legs was, and, and the reproductive areas was covered by the belt. And it was, it's called truth. And I love the way the CSB version puts it. Clothe yourself with truth like a belt around your waist. 
do we know the truth? Do we know that Jesus is the truth? In our gut, do we know it? Are we absolutely positive that Jesus is the truth? If we're not, we can go to him and talk to him about it and make sure we know. Don't go another day without knowing that Jesus is the truth. Righteousness like a breastplate. Do you know you're righteous? Are you standing firm in your righteousness? Or you're wavering at every little, um, every little doubt that comes your way? Are you wavering? Do you know that it's nothing to do with you? It's that you came to him and said, Lord, I want your righteousness. Lord, I want you to make me righteous because of what you did. Do you know you're righteous? Do you know you stand right before God? If not, talk to him about it. Find out what he says about it. Get, to, get into the word. Get into the word. Have we got our feet shod with the gospel? Are we always ready to give somebody um, some sort of an answer about what we believe? Do we know what we believe? Do we know what the gospel is? Do we know what the gospel is? That's a good question to ask ourselves. Are we ready if somebody says to us, what's this gospel you're talking about? Or what do you believe? Or how can you believe what you believe? It's the gospel of peace. And we need to be walking in peace. Walking in the confidence of knowing what we know is true. This, the helmet of salvation. Do you know you are saved? Do you know you are saved? God has perfected forever those whom he is sanctifying. Perfected forever. Are you perfected forever? Are you, do you stand there perfected forever? Do you know that if Christ came right now, you would rise to meet him in the air? If you don't know that, you better know it. You better get to know it. You better find out. The shield of faith. Do we know the word of God? Do we have the sword in the sp or the spirit in one hand and the shield in the other? That's how they used to operate. They used to go running into battle with, with a shield and a sword. And they worked together. The sword was the word of God. And the shield was to stop the lies the sword was the truth. The shield was to stop the lies. That's how we defeat Satan. And the last one is praying in the Spirit at all times with all kinds of prayers. Praying in the Spirit is not just praying in tongues, although it is praying in tongues. Praying in the Spirit's 
spirit can be on your face groaning before God, not even knowing what to say. You know when you're praying in the spirit. You know when your heart's in it. You know when your spirit's in it. And it's essential because it gives us the power we need. Talking about praying in tongues, when the Holy Spirit was given to us on the day of Pentecost, they started praying in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The people around them heard the gospel pronounced in their own language. But that wasn't the only thing that tongues does. Tongues is a prayer language that we can use any time. In any season, in any time, we can lift up our prayer language. We don't have to know what we're saying. In fact, we don't know what we're saying. Sometimes God gives us interpretation, but more often than not, we just spend our time praying in tongues. And Paul says praying in tongues edifies yourself. It builds yourself up. Jude says build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Very important that we pray in the Holy Spirit. That we don't just kneel down and say, five minutes, thank you, Lord, for this day. Amen. We need to get down with God, get real with God, spend time with Him. Start to develop a prayer life that is consistent because consistency is the main thing. If we get down with God every day, at a certain time, set aside, time made for it, you'll see incredible things happen. I just want to read a little part of a book that um, speaks to this. I've mentioned this before. But I want to read the words that um, this woman spoke. from a book called Chasing the Dragon by Jackie Pullinger. And she says, 
she had a conversation with one of the Chinese, she was a, a missionary to the Chinese in Hong Kong. And she had a conversation with one of them and he said, um, he said things like, you'll just fly away one day and leave us here. You don't really care about us. You're like the, all the other missionaries. You spent a little bit of time with us and then you flew away back to where you came from and you sat in front of your TVs and you, you wolfed down your dinners and you didn't care about us anymore. You Westerners, he continued, you come here and tell us about Jesus. You can stay for a year or two and your conscience will feel good. And then you'll go away. Your Jesus will call you to other work back home. It's true, some of you can raise a lot of money on behalf of us underprivileged people, but you'll still be living in your nice houses with your refrigerators and servants, and we'll still be living here. What you're really doing has nothing to do with us. And that was a real kick. And she said, Later on, sometimes I tried talking to the men who guarded the gambling dens, but when I told them that Jesus loved them, they just nodded, yeah, yeah, how nice. That means nothing to us. And of course, it did not, since most of them had no idea who Jesus was or what love was. I went on, preach, preach, preach about how Jesus could give them a new life, but no one seemed to understand. Then she goes on and says how she was um, going to chapel one day to play an instrument for the band. And she said, I found a Chinese couple who were to take the service. And as soon as I saw them, I knew they had it. What it was, I did not know. But even watching them praying, I sensed a vitality, a power. Immediately, I wanted to know what made them so different. After the service, I made a beeline for the couple. They spoke hardly any English, and I had hardly any Chinese. Soon it was clear what they were trying to convey. You haven't got the Holy Spirit. Of course I have the Spirit, I thought to myself. These people obviously had nothing which I needed, which I had recognized even without understanding their sermon. They called it having the Holy Spirit, and I wanted to call it something else. The quarrel over terminology, receiving the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, baptism of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, second blessing. We've all been through that. Or what have you. If God had anything for me, I wanted to receive it and I would sort out the theological terms later. So I made the appointment to go around to their place the next day. Anyway, they they, she went around and they prayed for her. And they said... She said, whatever was going to happen next was obviously meant to be very emotional. My heart began to bump because I did not was, what was, know what was going to happen next. And they laid their hands on them and prayed for them. And sh they said, now you begin speaking, now you begin speaking, now you begin speaking. But nothing happened. They thought I was going to burst into the gift of tongues and it had not worked. Now you begin speaking. Now you begin speaking. I was acutely embarrassed and began to get across with them. I felt hotter and hotter and more and more uncomfortable. 
Here I was not speaking in tongues and they were going to be so disappointed that nothing had happened. Eventually I could stand it no longer, so I opened my mouth to say, help me God. And as soon as I made the conscious effort to open my mouth, I found that I could speak freely in a language I had never learned. Anyway, going on from there. They told her that she could expect other gifts to appear in her life. So every day for the next week she was waiting for the gift of healing or the gift of prophecy or something to pop up. But nothing happened. She became very cool to that spiritual event. She knew something should have happened, but it didn't. As months passed by, I began to dismiss the whole subject. This experience patently had not changed my Christian life. In fact, if anything, life became even more difficult about this time. I was still rushing around the walled city, going to some kind of Christian meeting night after night, trying with every ounce of my being to help people. But nobody seemed to have been helped. I felt cheated. Who do they think they are, I thought, when I first heard about the Willans, an American couple with their young daughter. What a cheek. Hong Kong doesn't need another prayer meeting because they were going to start a prayer meeting. I'm already going to one of those every day of the week. Anyway, they've just come. How would they know what the church situation is? Anyway, she ended up going to one of their meetings. And at that meeting, she was introduced to Rick and Jean Stone Willans. Do you pray in tongues, Jackie? I was shocked by Jean's American forthrightness. No English person would have been that direct. Well, no, actually, I haven't found it that useful. I don't get anything out of it, so I stopped. It was a relief to discuss it with someone. But Jean would not be sympathetic. That's very rude of you, she said. It's not a gift of emotion. It's a gift of the Spirit. You shouldn't despise the gifts God has given you. The Bible says he who prays in tongues will be built up spiritually. So never mind what you feel. Do it. Then she and Rick, there's that word, those words again, do it. Then she and Rick made me promise to pray daily in my heavenly language. And then she went down. She says she had to pray with them. And then when she went, she promised she would pray every day. All right, Lord, this doesn't make sense to me, but since you invented it, um, it must be a good gift. So I'll go ahead in obedience and you teach me how to pray. Going on further. Every day as I promised the Willans, I prayed in the language of the Spirit. Fifteen minutes by the clock. I still felt it to be an exercise. Before praying in the Spirit, I would say, Lord, I don't know how to pray anymore, but I'm just going to pray in tongues. And I would begin my 15-minute stint. She said, use me, Lord. After about six weeks, I noticed something remarkable. Those I talked to about Christ believed. I could not understand it at first and wondered how my Chinese had suddenly improved or if I had stumbled on a splendid new evangelistic technique. 
But I was saying the same things as before. It was some time before I realised what had changed. This time I was talking about Jesus to people who wanted to hear. I had let God have a hand in my prayers and it produced a direct result. Instead of my deciding what I wanted to do for God and asking his blessing, I was asking him to do his will through me as I prayed in the language he gave me. Now I found that person after person wanted to receive Jesus. I could not be proud. I could only wonder that God let me be some, a small part of his work. And so the emotion came. It never came while I prayed, but when I saw the results of those prayers, I was literally delighted. I began to get to know the Willans better, and they became wonderful friends and counsellors. The bonds of Christian conventions burst, and I found once more the glorious freedom to live we have in Christ Jesus. I began to see what miracles he was doing in the world today. So just an account there of someone who had been baptised in the Holy Spirit but stopped using her tongues, stopped praying in the Holy Spirit, stopped praying with the Holy Spirit. And once she started and became consistent with it, power started to come into her life. And I've heard many testimonies about the very same thing happening with many people. Power comes into your life when you start to walk in the way the Holy Spirit wants you to walk. He gave you that gift for a reason. That's to use it. To use it every day. It's going to help our spiritual heat be turned up in our lives. In the book of 2 Peter, Peter talks about what God has given us to help us to overcome in this life. And it's again talking about the great and precious promises of God in his word. The word of God says the promises are for us. From Genesis to Revelation, those promises are for us so that we can um, be a part, have a part of the divine nature of God to turn up our spiritual heat. And it says, <coughs> by which have been given us exceedingly great and precious promises through these you may, may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for the, this very reason, giving all diligence. In other words, don't be a slacker. Don't be lazy in this. Don't be inconsistent. This is the word of God. This is God's instruction to us as people. Don't be surprised if your Christian life isn't what it should be if we're not doing what it says. Amen? Add to your faith virtue, goodness, moral excellence. You've got faith. You are of the faith. 
God has saved you. He's brought you into his kingdom. He's, you're one of his people. You're one of his kids. You have faith in Jesus. Now add to that faith. Build yourself up in it. Grow in it. Add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. Get all the knowledge of God you can in you. Start doing what the Word says. That's the knowledge you want. It only works if you do it. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So we need to be diligent. We need to be diligent in this. Adding to our faith goodness. To goodness knowledge. To knowledge self-control. To self-control perseverance. To perseverance godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. It's like a, a growth. It's a growth that we need to have in each of our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord, for these wonderful words. Father, we can do these things. We can do the things your word says because we have your Holy Spirit. It's not by might. It's not by my own power but by your Spirit. It's by your Spirit, Lord. And Lord, we want to do all we can in this day and age. We want to look into your Word, Lord. Find out what the doing things are. Pray in, Lord God, those promises you have for us because we know if you promise them to us, then they can be ours by faith. Lord, living in the armour of God, walking day by day in you, praying in the Spirit, Lord, spending a lot of time with you because we know that when we spend time with you, and I'm talking about as opposed to worldly things, an exchange, we want to make an exchange, Lord, of earthly, worldly things. We want to set our mind on things above, not on things below. We want to be your people, Lord, heavenly people. People who are ready and willing and able by your spirit to face any challenge. Lord, we want to pray in that spirit, Lord. We want to be empowered day after day to a greater measure to be able to do those things you want us to do, Lord, in this world. Because, Lord, it's your kingdom. It's your power. It's your glory that we desire. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his sufferings. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his sufferings. Oh God, bless us as we go from this place today, Lord. Bless us, Father, so that we can be a blessing to all those around us. Praise your glorious name, Jesus. Bless your glorious name.
Hallelujah. If you find yourself needing prayer this morning, I just got the idea of, um, well, I was thinking there of uh, how a lot of us are afraid of men, afraid of what men will say to us if we open our mouths for Jesus. We can't have that if we're people of God. We can't walk in that any longer. If you need prayer, if you need salvation this morning, yes, the music ministry can come. If you need salvation this morning, if you've heard about the goodness of God all through this morning and you've gone, I want that. I want Jesus to save me. I want to be able to stand before him unashamed, forgiven, free. Come up this morning and we'll pray for you. We'll lead you to Jesus. If you have any other prayer needs, please don't hesitate to come up as we sing this song. Thank you, Lord.